Did I, am I hearing you say that there are some situations where there's really no way to distinguish between an odontogenic issue and a non-odontogenic issue or all things being equal in the main, you can distinguish between the two, but there are uh, it would you would be the exceptional person to catch it in every case. Okay. I I don't know anybody who's ever caught it in every case. I, I think uh the only people who would are people who only practice oral medicine, they don't do any dental work, and they think everything's neuropathic. So in that case, and I I'll, I'll be honest, I love USC, but I saw them say, oh, everything's neuro, this is neuropathic. And I'm like, no. Uh, they need to go to the endo department down the hall. This is this is a tooth problem. Right. So there can be, you know, we all have our own little biases. And so uh, I think every single time I, I don't know, I, I think the only way really to, to try to catch it is getting a really good history, uh, doing really good thorough testing uh, and good imaging and put it all together. And if your spider sense starts tingling, then that's when I would either defer or refer. And spider spider sense. My my spider sense is tingling. I will just. Uh, is that a Canadian I, term? I've never heard of this before. Spider no, sense. Spider, spider man. man. Come on, your friendly spider neighbor, Spider Man. I was born a deprived child. Come on, man. Oh I, man. Okay, well, we'll this... up you on your American culture there. Wow, right? yeah, our pop culture needs an upgrade here. <laughs> so, yeah, so anyways, with Spider-Man, you know. Too he's much time in Alaska player. in the backwoods, come on. Come on. Uh, anyway, so hey, if, you're, if your intuition is is nagging you, if Jiminy Cricket is on your shoulder poking you. I know who uh, Jiminy Cricket is. Okay, all right. So if Jiminy's giving you a hard time, then, I, then maybe listen to that. And sometimes... You know, it's like when you think, uh, I probably shouldn't put this file in the canal and it comes out short. You're like, damn it. Why didn't I listen to that? It's stupid intuition. Oh, that happened to me the other day. Oh, don't get me started. Oh, my, oh God. Yeah. My, my last work day was. Let's uh, hear it. So. You're in a safe place. Thank you. Yeah. With the whole world listening. Well, you know, some, you know. I was going to ask you, actually, I'm going to digress for 10 seconds. Joel, you mentioned working from seven in the morning to 11 at night. Yeah. Um, how, how do you stay motivated on the 10 o'clock patient or the nine o'clock patient when you're, when you're, and I, and I have a reason for asking. It's like, if you're working that long of a day and Tom, yeah. I'm curious of your, cause, cause we don't feel like working every day. I mean, we you don't you don't turn that car engine on every day and go, God, I just can't wait to get in there, start reaming and dreaming. <laughs> so how do you how do for both of you how how do you like, for lack of a better term, get it up to to get it on uh, in the office? Well, the Seven Eleven was a bit like a triathlon. You're like, okay, I'm hitting the water at seven, and I gotta be jogging past the finish line at at eleven, and so you're just like, I gotta be on my game. Like I, I gotta be on it because as the staff starts getting stressed and the patients start getting a bit gnarly, um, if you start running behind and, you know, some of these patients in Whitehorse have driven six, seven hours to come see me. 
right? You don't want to shortchange the treatment. Like, oh, we just got to medicate it today. You're like, oh, I got to really finish it. And and so it was like, you're so on it and you, your adrenaline's pumping. You're like, I can't fall behind. I can't fall behind. And that was actually, I get, I take a perverse pleasure. I do the exam. I'm like, you know what? You don't need a root canal. And I get a break. Yeah. How, <laughs> many, places, how many places would you do in that time? Like how um, many? Oh, that would be. That's like, a crazy, that's a crazy amount. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 10, 12, I think. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And we had to have surgeries in there. And yeah, no, it was like, um, it would, that, that feel, that's why I went up there. Cause I was like, you know, I would, I'd bill more in those three days than I'd bill a whole month in Richmond. Right. Cause I was building my practice up. Right. And then I come home, I come back to Richmond. I'm like, I had to tone myself down because I'm so like, okay, you need freezing. Whap, whap, whap. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Gotta be nice about it. <laughs> yeah. Know, gotta be like, you know, I can't just go honk, honk, honk like an yeah. old surgeon. Like, boom. I'm like, oh, there, oh, that hurts a little bit. Oh, shoot. I gotta, okay, I'm not yeah. going And, and, uh, you know, calm it all down, go nice and slow. You know, it's like I gotta be the, the, you know, as opposed to you know just slopping it out. <laughs> like I gotta be, I gotta chat to these people and be nice. So yeah, you have to really, really calibrate yourself. But uh, speaking of point of what um, Tom was saying, I tell patients this is a diagnostic challenge. You are experiencing what you're experiencing. Yeah, but I'm not too sure what it is. It's a diagnostic challenge, and. Um, you know, so sometimes I bring a patient back. I'm like, maybe you need to come back. Or I can say, I can say, you know what, you can rest assured you don't need a root canal, right? Like that's my expertise. So they're the disappointed, like, well, I came here and you know, now you send me the oral medicine guys, like, well, yeah, but now you you're not spending, you know, 18 2000 1800 bucks, two thousand bucks on a root canal that you don't need and you still have your pain, right? Like right. that's the benefit of the thing, and, and you can move on. And then one of the things I tell them too is I say, go start taking a pain diary, right? Write down the pain. But when you turn that page, never look at that page. Never look what you wrote in mm. your next day's report. Yep. And you get them involved. Take a pain diary, turn the page, never look at it. And then when you go and see the oral medicine guy, you can go, I try to prep them for the oral medicine guy. Describe the pain, you know, this and the other, and you, and you prep them so that you're not just, ah, it's not a root canal. You're dead to me. Get out the door. You you try to get them ready for it. You're like, it could come back and you could need a root canal. And then you come back and see me. Cause I think back in 2014, I was wrong once. So it could happen again. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you can be my number two. <laughs> wow. Right. And right. this is what get it. And, they, and what happens is you, you made it a, a, an emotional connection with you. Like, you know, 90% of the time, a b and c next comes d and you're like a b and c and i don't know what it is q r b for you but you know we gotta we gotta go to this other guy and that's what they specialize and that's where they narrow down on it and then i tell them too is i've seen patients in your situation get a litany of root canals and then yep. they get the teeth pulled yep. and then you're like now seeing the oral medicine specialist right so whoa let's stop this you know in time and because we've all seen those car accidents. So you kind of relate to the person like, I think this might be the wrong path. Right. And we're not ignoring your chief complaint, but honestly, I'm, I'm pretty sure you don't need a root canal. So this is a, I think you really covered a lot of the sort of the art and the science of what yeah. we do, because there is the scientific part, the objective imaging, blah, blah, but also having that human connection and understanding and having that sympathy and just saying, look, I, 
uh, or even empathy as a human. You know, I understand that that you came here for this reason, but the, the other side of that is really you're not having to have a root canal. You can go get the opinion. You're not going to have six more root canals and a couple of extractions and another surgery and crowns and all this that that isn't going to resolve your issue. And that one tooth that you have the root canal on, which looks great, by the way, you get to keep that tooth as much as, you know, you may be cranky with that tooth. It's not, it's not the fault of anyone. This just sometimes happens and it's an unfortunate issue, but, you know, having that conversation and believing them, hearing them, listening to them, uh, confirming, yes, I, I understand that you feel this because for so long, people who've had these pains have just been blown off. Oh, yeah. you're crazy. I'm not, yeah. I'm crazy. And like, you're not crazy. Yeah. I, I will sometimes tongue in cheek say, well, it is all in your head. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, it, but you know, so they, they get that. Okay. I'm, I'm really, I'm not crazy. You do hear and see me and yeah, that means I have to go see somebody else, but you know, if they're going to give me some answers, great. That's wonderful. Uh, I will say in my practice, I try very, very hard. I'm not always good at it, but I try very hard to, to, keep my world separate. So if I see somebody for oral medicine and they need an endo, I don't want to be the guy to do that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. If I see somebody for endo, then I also don't want to kind of deal with the oral medicine issue. I try to keep it separate because if in the, in the few cases where they have, you know, sort of those worlds have merged, I get lost. It's very easy to get lost. It's very easy to lose your objectivity. And so I, the, the standard rule for the last several years now is if we're seeing somebody, if they've been referred to us for their pain and they end up needing an endo and I see an endo condition, I'll tell their dentist, I'll say, I can refer you somewhere. And they say, well, don't you do this kind of thing? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to do it on you just because I'm trying to maintain my objectivity. And that's not why you referred here and whatever. It's not perfect, but we really try to do that because again, maintaining that objectivity is is i think important and it can be challenging um you know when we have these people who really are in a lot of pain with no really identifiable cause and that's the problem with these things whether it's tmd or whatever quite often it's there's no x-ray or picture or blood test you can do sometimes we'll take a look and you know take a x-ray of somebody's joint it looks perfect but it, they're in so much pain you can't even go near it or it's like some of these teeth right they're in so much pain but geez that looks like an absolutely perfect tooth the tissues are normal probes are fine there's no swelling no lesion so again if if jiminy cricket or your spider sense is knocking at your door then i think it's really good to maybe get another opinion mm. so as much as they be might be cranky about it you know, it's okay for them to be cranky. It's, have those feelings, you know, feel free, be mad, but ultimately you'll be the good person in this scenario. So we're going to continue on actually, and I'll break this podcast into two um, because we're on a really interesting vein of conversation and maybe we'll go about another 15 minutes and we'll, we'll call this a wrap. Uh, does that work for both of you? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. So, Tom, I want to ask you a question then. If I heard you correctly, you said you don't mix the two streams of the oral medicine and your endodontic practice. And that's really interesting to me. And my first question in that regard would be, how do you work that out with your general dental colleagues in the sense of telling them, um, you know, 
processing that? I mean, they've sent you to the patient, the patient to you to diagnose them. Then do you get any pushback that you won't do the endo and that you're sending them to another endodontist or you're referring them back to the general dentist? Generally, no. Most people I found refer us either endo or they refer us oral medicine or facial pain. And not it's both. a rare clinic that will refer both. And most of them, it's not the same patient for both. Or we will get some referrals that say endo question mark or medicine question mark. Like they have no idea. And that's fine. And so we just kind of start from the oral medicine perspective, but we will include an endo exam as well. And if they end up needing an endo in those situations, but they weren't referred specifically for that, then I'll let the dentist know this is what I think. This is their diagnosis. And, uh, you know, either you go ahead and do it or refer them somewhere else, or I can refer them somewhere else. I'm happy to do that. Um, I Most people don't push back on that. The ones that push mostly are the patients. And we just tell them that's not why you're referred here. Uh, like I saw someone today who, for a consult, I saw him about seven years ago for some oral medicine complaint. Haven't seen him since his issue resolved, no problem. Uh, and then he came back cause he has a tooth. That's an issue. I'm happy to do that. That's, and he was referred specifically because he has a tooth problem. That's mm-hmm. fine. I, that's no big deal, but it's, it's when somebody were seeing them for active, you know, or facial pain treatment. Uh, and it comes up as we're looking, you know, at an image that was sent to us or something. And I think, all oh, right, there's a big fat lesion on that tooth. Does your dentist know that? Oh, I don't know. And so, you know, I'll do a quick, a quick exam on that. And, um, you know, if, if we see that there's a donogenic problem, I'll say, well, as an aside, you have a tooth. It's a problem that you really do because obviously these things aren't mutually exclusive. So we'll, we'll say you, you really need to get that tooth addressed. And we'll let the dentist know, hey, please, you know, get a handle on this tooth. And um, generally, that's as far as my involvement is. So I don't get too much pushback, really. Most people are completely fine with me doing what I do. We uh, we we get, you know, actually, there's a few endo offices that refer to us. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to help them out however I can, because, you know, they just, it, it's like we've been talking about, they just say, this isn't an endo problem. And so I think we're a resource to help them and, and generally we can. So yeah. let me, Joel, let me ask you a question, which is directly related to the conversation that we're having that Tom's explaining what he does, how often, and I'm asking you t- for our general dental listeners, our general dentist listeners, so they can get some context. How often do you run into cases where you say, you don't need a root canal, or this is non-odontogenic pain. Can you, can you speak to the frequency of that in your practice? Probably every other week I get one, possibly. Yeah, it's actually a lot more frequent than you would think. Um, yeah, the patient's had a crown, and the dentist done a couple bite adjustments, and you know the, the patient had histrionics with the dentist, and everything's horrible. And then they come and see me three weeks later and it's not so bad. And like, you don't need a root canal, but you know, and I tell them this could change. So it happens a lot more frequently than you think. And, and a bit to like what Tom was saying is I, the, where the general dentists fall in trouble. Sometimes they try to be everything to everybody. You know, Tom doesn't do the oral medicine. He doesn't do the root canal together. 
because it's a bit of a mishmash uh, from his perspective. And I, I think that's quite a refreshing way to go. And in some regards, the general dentist is like, you know, it's okay to tell the patient, this is a diagnostic challenge. I'm going to send yeah. you this guy. And, you know, sometimes he sees a patient twice, you know, sometimes it's tough and sometimes he refers it on, but it's just not, you're not ticking all, all the boxes aren't being ticked and we don't want to do the wrong tooth. Right. And spend your money on, on that. And um, yeah, but to be honest, most of the time when I send it to the oral medicine guy, it usually doesn't need a root canal. It doesn't need a root canal. Like I'm pretty good in that regard, but I've had some patients that are with the oral medicine guy and then they need a root canal. Well, now we're working together as a team because post-op pain could be an issue in this and the other, and we're really hitting it well. And and those patients can be a nightmare for for a, a clinic, and they think the person's just a complainer. It's, it's actually not. They're they've got something legitimate, and if you dive down into it, you know, or just bring some other people into it, and and a lot of those people are very receptive to getting a second opinion. And I, I think you take that monkey off your back. You know, I, I had that same thing when I was a general dentist. I have to solve every problem because I remember in dental school, it's a failure. You can't diagnose it. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, it's yeah. actually a failure to misdiagnose it. How about? Exactly. That's a failure. Yeah, yeah, that's the failure. You're like, whoa, you know, because no treatment successful if your diagnostic is not sound. Right. Well, think, uh, you yeah, know, when it's not endo, it's not clear to me. And uh, you and you almost see that there's their relief too because they know you've done your work and you're like it's not adding up. Yeah, no, that's really well said. You know, to bring some of this to kind of tie it a little bit into a bow, we started out. We're in part four mm. of the chiefs of complaint, and mm. we started out discussing the importance of the chief complaint and to bring all this together verifying the chief complaint through the objective testing is really at the heart of whether it is an endodontic issue, odontogenic issue or not. And, you know, if you can't verify the chief complaint uh, in an endodontic context, then we ought to be waiting for those symptoms to localize or observing what happens and seeing if things go away or they get worse. And, you know, we didn't really get into the, the diagnostic questions mm -hmm. that we'd want to be asking. And maybe that's a whole other podcast, which we'll do in the future. But briefly, you know, how long have you had this pain? Do you take medication for this pain? Um, is this getting better? Or is this getting worse? You know, is this enough that you feel we need to treat you? Uh, does this wake you up from sleep? Does it linger when you drink cold? All those questions. And we, yeah. we, we know what those are. Um, yeah. Can you eat, can you eat meals? Like, can you chew normally? Or, right. or can you not drink? Are you not sleeping properly? Like, is this, or is this, is this, is this awful or is this annoying? Right. You know, if it's awful, then okay. Yeah. Anyway. You know, if it's awful, it's awful. If it's annoying, well, then maybe it's reversible. So if you had an obsessive compulsive, they would ask you something like define annoying and define awful. I'd hold up a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if you can't, if you, but in, in to cut to the chase, um, again, again, I don't want to get way off track, yeah. but in the expert witness work that I do, I could count on 
one hand over six years, the number of cases where a thorough endodontic examination was really performed mm -hmm. in, in yep. an endodontic malpractice case where, and by that, I mean, the basics were done, percussion, palpation, mobility, probings, thermal testing, uh, radiographic interpretation, diagnostic radiographs, adequate radiographs. Yeah. Um, and in, in not even in just an endodontic context, I, I'm not going to go into the whole case, but there's a case where I'm looking at, I wrote the narrative on today where they were extracting third molars and only took a panorex and the thirds laying over the canal. Mm. And it took three and a half months to get a cone beam. And in the subsequent time, there's a fractured mandible and that, Tom, to your point, was misdiagnosed as TMJ. So yeah. they they did it. They put a TMJ appliance in with a severely sensitive masseter, thinking that the uh, post-op sequelae from the extraction of the thirds was a TMJ complaint. Yeah. You're kind of like going... And people think appliances are magical. This is okay. I'm just going to go on a quick little sidetrack here. Please, people please. think these appliances are magical. First of all, you know, there's a certain school that says, oh, wear them 24 hours only if you want a permanent bite change. And then what are you going to do? So you're going to do full mouth crown and bridge. You're going to do orthodontics, which is probably going to be surgical. So, you know, oh, we do an appliance, do an appliance. They have their place. Absolutely. Yes, they have their place. Do they work for a lot of people? Yeah. They do three things, we think. They protect your teeth from bruxism. Great. We think there's a there's some evidence, but it could be better. But it's not great, but it's not bad evidence that maybe they take a bit of pressure off the jaw joints if you're bruxing at night. And it's a placebo because people are involved in their care and they're participating. Just like Joel said, keep a pain journal. That does a few things. Yes, it's great for us to know, you know, as somebody who comes to me, if they have a pain journal, I've had people pull out their laptop. They've got histograms. I mean, I'm in heaven when I see that. I'm because I can see exactly what's going on. But part of it is they're now participating in their own care. What's a histogram? Yeah. Sorry, I didn't know. Spider oh, it's just like a it's just like a graph. You know, they have the, they've graphed all their pain. It's it's incredible. It's uh, it's great. Yeah, they've done it, and so. So I, but people, oh, they do these appliances. This will fix you. It's not gonna. It's not gonna fix stuff. It'll help manage things. Your joints still gonna click. You're, you know, you're you you're still gonna grind your teeth. Uh, I saw a young lady today who, because this is one of our pain days, and she said, yeah, you know, I really sore jaw. And I wake up and my jaw is really sore. And I had these orthodontic retainers. I put them in. And for about two or three weeks, oh, my pain was so much better. And then all of a sudden my pain came back. And I thought, yes, because when you put in an appliance, you'll stop bruxing for two to three weeks. Your central pattern generator goes, bah, I don't know what's going on. And after two to three weeks, it says, ah, we're fine. Brux away. And then you start grinding again. And so I thought, yeah, that's right on schedule. So when I heard that, I thought, oh, yeah, you're a good historian. You're telling me really good stuff here. So, so, but we think that these things are magical and they're not, they're part of an overall protocol, but it's like, it's like saying, well, you, yeah, I don't know, you know, chemotherapy is how you cure all cancer. Well, no, that's a really crude example, but um, there, there's, there's no one way to deal with T TMD. And, um, you know, my, I, I, 
I think you've both heard me say this, but my program director just said, you know, when you're dealing with these chronic issues, stop thinking like a dentist, man. You just, you gotta start thinking like a physician because nobody's curing diabetes. They're not curing hypertension. They're not curing cholesterol problems. Uh, They're managing it. Yeah, some things get cured, but a lot of things, it's just they're managing arthritis. And so many people we see, they have arthritis in their joint. And and it's kind of hard to look at somebody in the eye when they say, am I going to have this forever? And you go, yeah, yeah, you are. Well, 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 it's been a fascinating evening uh, and enjoying the podcast that we have recorded tonight. And I want to thank you both for uh, sharing your knowledge, being uh, my co-hosts in uh, the Hotel Calcified. And um, it's been suggested to me that I in very, uh, how would I put it, that I try to play my guitar to play the Hotel California and then we can. Yes debacle into a theme music for this podcast let's see if we can put that together but tom joel thank you for coming on it's been a great evening and uh really good to see you both and thanks for being a part of this it's absolutely fantastic richard thank you so much it was um, a truly great experience yeah i've learned a ton honestly yeah cool good stuff yeah